Got nine minutes to maximize your travel and casino experience? Welcome to Zorkcast, powered by Travel Zork, helping you travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures. From airline miles and hotel points to living in the lap of luxury in a Las Vegas casino, you'll find all of the knowledge you need to travel in style, brought to you in nine minutes or less. Okay, well, sometimes more than nine minutes, but always less than 36. Now, please welcome the hosts of Zorkcast, your friendly neighborhood American, Michael Mason Traeger, and everyone's favorite Brit, Steve White. Welcome back to Zorkcast. Steve and I are back for another day of Vegasy goodness. Today is a very special Zorkcast on a number of different levels. Not only is it our 100th episode of Zorkcast, but we have Jonathan Jossel, the CEO of the Plaza Hotel and Casino in downtown Las Vegas, joining us. So, Steve, thanks again, as always, for co-hosting and taking the time away from your chickens. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. I'm so happy to be here. And this is like really exciting, right? We've got a CEO of an actual casino. I mean, how did we manage to get this, Michael? I'm not really sure, but it, <laughs> it, it, it seems it came together really nicely. And I think we've got some really interesting questions today. And Jonathan, welcome and thank you for joining us today. How are things going in Las Vegas? Hey, guys. Good morning. Good to be on with you. And congratulations on your 100th episode. Things are great here. Things are great. It's Monday morning. It was a pretty decent weekend we just had and going into Labor Day weekend, it's looking like it's going to be busy and looking out the window, you can see a lot of construction, things happening downtown. So it's it's very exciting to be here. And thank you for having me on. Thank you. Well, we're also really excited to have you here today. And we'd love to dive into a couple of these questions that we've prepared, especially just discussing the plaza and downtown Las Vegas. I know from everything that I've seen about you. You are a very hands-on casino owner. (laughs) And one of the things that I always wonder is there's been so much change in downtown Las Vegas, but there are still a lot of perceptions about downtown Las Vegas. Many just don't understand, at least in the mass travel market, you know, when you mention Las Vegas, that the downtown Las Vegas of 2020 is so different than just a few years ago. How do you deal with that? Or how do you shift those perceptions? Or maybe give us a little bit of a background on the plaza and what you're doing to like make the world aware of how great downtown is and how much it's changed. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you. And it has changed a lot. That It's a loaded question because there's so many aspects and facets that go into mm-hmm. some of those things you just talked about. But the history from my perspective is I moved out here in 2007. And you know back then, you really, there was very few places to stay, eat, enjoy yourself in a comfortable environment. You had Fremont Street experience, but there really wasn't much beyond that. And what's happened in the last, let's say, 10 to 15 years, and a lot of that is credit to Oscar Goodman, the former mayor of Las Vegas, who really put an emphasis on revitalizing downtown, was this development that created opportunities for people to live downtown and to do more than just visit the glitz and glamour of the old casinos. You see, the problem when I came out here was people would come downtown to see the history of Las Vegas. They wanted to see the neon lights. They wanted to walk down Fremont Street for a minute. But after that, there was really nothing to do. They would leave. And as all these hotels have continued to reinvest in themselves, what you've seen is a huge amount of 
opportunity for people to stay in nice rooms down here. There's lots of swimming pools downtown now. There's great restaurants. There's entertainment. Obviously, all of this is pre the pandemic, which has you know slowed things down in, in many ways. But as you give people more opportunity to come down here, what we've seen is they love it. They don't just come in to see the lights and then go back to the strip. They're actually willing to stay down here. I hear a lot of people, I'm sure you guys do this. You might spend two nights on the strip, but then you're going to do two or three days downtown. And that wasn't happening before. It was five days on the strip, but we'll take a day and go downtown and check it out and experience some of the better gambling odds or whatever it may be. But now with the improvements that have happened down here, people are really gravitating towards it. And I think to answer your question, the best part about it is last year we had over 20 million visitors downtown. We don't need to do anything but provide them a great experience because 20 million is a lot of people. If they all tell their friends about it, they write about it on social media, you're going to keep growing that number. And as we saw, again, pre the pandemic, that number kept growing year over year. It went from 8 to 12 to 15 to 18, up to over 20 last year. So the growth has been driven by events, great products, improving. But then it's just a lot of people telling more and more people about it with the introduction of social media. And clever things have happened down here. For example, Life is Beautiful, the festival, bringing a new demographic downtown that wasn't necessarily familiar with downtown or Tony Shea and, and his developments happening have brought a new audience downtown. That's partly why we put the murals on the building at the plaza because we wanted to tap into that new audience and create awareness of not just the plaza but the whole area. And these murals got millions of impressions on social media and people come downtown to check it out and then they're like, oh, this is cool. And then they see a nice restaurant or they go see a different hotel or Fremont Street Experience and suddenly they've become customers of downtown. And that's what's starting to happen or was happening. And I think it won't be long before that's happening again down here. And you guys have made quite a lot of improvements to your like accommodation over the years and such, haven't you? You've renovated, we've seen gambling odds improve, and that's kind of servicing this growth, I guess, in the downtown. Yeah, absolutely. We did 150 new hotel rooms last year. I don't know if you guys got a chance to stay in them prior to the travel shutdown. But if you haven't, I invite you guys as my guest. You'll come stay in our new rooms when the flights are open again. And Fingers we redid our pool scene. deck. We redid <laughs> the pool deck. We redid the convention space. We upgraded the whole casino, new machines, new casino carpet, which we're very proud of. So yeah, we're constantly looking at ways to upgrade the plaza. I think there was this myth of you have to knock it down and rebuild it. And we took a different approach of let's continue to upgrade this gem that was it is coming up on its 50th birthday next July, and hopefully we'll be able to celebrate it appropriately for such an icon in the next nine months. Well, you'll be really pleased with Steve because he won't leave the slot machines for the entire time and that he is there. You're my kind of guy, Steve. <laughs> but, but, he's I wonder pretty, why. He's, 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 exactly, he's exactly the person you want. I do remember, you know, one of my favorite scenes in Diamonds Are Forever is when you see the plaza being built. And of course, now this, of course, dates me because I'm born in 1970. So this whole 50 year thing. And I've heard great things about your all of your renovations. And I haven't played at your property that often, but I've had a really good time playing dice at, at your property and, and really enjoyed it. But I guess it's hard to put into words, but the kind of experience that you get at a place like the Plaza is really the essence of what Vegas used to be. I mean, you used to have downtown and the Strip, and you had some of that essence on the Strip. But I find that, you know, 
what's special to me about Vegas is Vegas still being Vegas. And I think so much now that's happened in Vegas is more like what you can get in other cities, like a Gordon Ramsay restaurant. That's not really Vegas to me. What's Vegas to me, you know, are things like your property, especially with the way the gambling is and just the whole design of it. And it's not saying that one thing is good or bad. I think it's just, you know, to me, and maybe that's because I'm getting older, I just am very nostalgic for for more of that like essence of Vegas experience. Do you hear that from a lot of people? I mean, not just the odds, but also like the feeling when they're gambling? All the time. It's a very common theme. And I agree with you that some of those newer additions to Vegas, whether it's the retail, the nightclubs, the pools, the restaurants, are copied from other cities, which is it's good. It adds more diversity to Vegas. But the one thing you didn't mention, which I think is maybe what people don't necessarily understand when they're in the places that they're describing as old Vegas, it really comes down to the interactions with team members. It's that personal touch. It's that people knowing what you like to drink. It's that personal security officer you have a relationship or your host who comes around, shakes your hand, says, hi, welcome back, puts a little gift in your room before you check in. That's that essence of old Vegas that I think people don't necessarily recognize that they're feeling that, but that's what they're feeling when they're in the casino. I go down and talk to guests. All of us are down there basically on our team as much as we can, meeting people, having a drink with them. And that's that's something that down here we can do because of the size perhaps, but also because we just choose to do it. But that's really a part of this downtown experience that I think people appreciate. And we hear that a lot in terms of, you know, they love exactly what you described, the better gambling odds and the older experience of the older properties with the lighting and but that familiar touch is something that really goes a long way perhaps another loaded question which i didn't warn you about but because i'm so impressed by your interactions with customers i follow i know julian of vegas confessions and i've seen all the great stuff that everybody does and it's it's heartwarming just to see how involved you are it's like it's almost like it's a small business right and it's amazing have those interactions with the players and the customers shifted at all your perception about things or actually made you implement some changes just when you were like wow i get this now like this is what our customers are experiencing, you know, because I think that is so important. And I have to imagine that you've had a couple of light bulbs go off where you've noticed something and made changes based on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, it's not necessarily that we've changed things we're doing, but a part of that goes towards being able to one guess at a time, take care of them, understand what they like to experience when they come here. And then, you know, guys like you mentioned have helped us reevaluate how we interact with our customers, the way we use social media. You may not know, we started a podcast ourselves, which very unusual for a casino to do its own podcast. But learning about this community and online social media guests and giving us another outlet to promote the property, but also talk about the happenings, we learned that from those people and the ones you mentioned. So it's definitely been helpful to us to get that feedback but you know the people you mentioned and and this community is just so passionate about Vegas the experience i've had is they're just happy to be you know interacting with people and learning about the property and being taken care of it's it's a wonderful group i think that's really important isn't it that sort of you can't get that on the strip when you've got 3000 rooms full whereas downtown when you when you shrink it down a little bit you can get that personal experience 
also the way the social media is being used by places like the plaza you're getting people like matt bridger i know has come in and done youtube videos there and such that's really good and that's really nice to see that's embraced because i think that's great exposure at the moment and something that casinos have only just started really opening their eyes to i think yeah that's true actually and you know michael you asked the question about like a small business it's partly a small business and it's like a small family i mean we're a smaller team and we like to get to know everyone we like to meet people even if it's just for a minute shake their hand have a coffee with them it doesn't have to be an elaborate thing but just to put a name to a face get to know our customers to me, it's not just a small business. It's like a small family. And that's why I'm out here because the plaza is exactly that to me. It's more of a lifestyle than a job. So you come here, you hang out with people, you get to know them and observe the way they interact with the property makes it much easier to learn about exactly what we should be doing going forward. Oh, it's also very interesting. I mean, I know I was, I think Steve was going to ask a little bit about the loyalty program. But what I noticed so much that happens lately is, you know, companies try to replace humans with computer interactions, right? You know, book your offers online, do this. It's almost like everything we can do to not have you interact with us. But when you start to think about true customer service, you know, the technology is great. We want the technology and using the technology correctly, you know, be it for, you know, feeding somebody offers on their phone or being able to give someone, you know, room keys on their phone or technology like that. That's great. But you also need that true customer service in the hospitality business. And I think even more so in the casino business, because you're dealing with people who are choosing to gamble. They're not just choosing to stay at your property quite often, but they're choosing to put money at risk. So I think that really does impact people. You know, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's like when you've had a good experience somewhere, you say, hey, I know I might win sometimes, I might lose sometimes, but these people treat me really well. And what's so impressive about it is you're treating people really well in a sort of mid-market, like everyone's being treated well, not just, you know, you often hear a lot of complaints about some of the major casino companies. They're only treating really big players well, or, you know, moderate to big players. But it seems like you're, you're really, you know, you're tapping a market where people are sort of feel left out these days. Yeah. I mean, obviously the criteria here for meeting me or meeting a host or anybody else is just ask and say hi. I mean, that's basically what it is. So we we make ourselves available. You know, the Players Club system, you touched on that, is designed to take care of everybody based on their own level of play. That is an automated system. But the process of when you call in and the casino service agent or the host or somebody taking care of you, that's a different experience. And based on any level, they should be offering you great service and taking care of your needs, whether it's just to book a room and again, it doesn't matter what level player you are. I would hope that the higher-end customers don't have to call in an automated line. They have the cell phone of their host, and they can text them and say, I'm coming, or they can call them and say, I'm coming, and everything's taken care of for them based on that. But it's as simple as writing to me on Twitter saying, you want a room, and I'm going to reply to you and help you out. So, I mean, it's a wide spectrum, but we try to give everybody a personalized service as best as we can. That's the thing about casino loyalty, isn't it, really? I mean, I think it's bigger than just having a great rewards club nowadays. You've got to compete for that business. And I always think I would much rather go somewhere where maybe I'm going to get really good service from a host, but maybe get slightly less offers or slightly less comp dollars because I'm looking for the service now as well as just the 
the points, the tier credits or whatever you want to call it. Well, uh, let me ask you a, a question, difference. Steve. You're from England. Yeah. And you come to Vegas how many times a year? In normal times? In normal times, probably four or five times a year. I come quite often. And you base your your stay on your promotional offer that you get? Yeah. But or you base it on I, your favorite well, place? I would say I, I base it on my promotional offer. Let's go by order, okay? So where I like to stay is on there. That's one of my top three. The other is my promotional offer. And my third is probably the relationship I might have with the host at that property. So let's say your favorite place to stay gives you a lower offer than your number two or three place. Where are you going? Oh, that's a hard what's, question. What's driving the trip? Is it the stay? Is it the promo? Or is it your preference of place based on accommodation, amenities, whatever it may be? For me, as a slot player, I guess it probably is coming down to the promotion. I don't know if that's the answer you want to hear. No, I, I think no, that's, that's... But then I'd be looking at the bigger picture because I'd be thinking, okay, so... I really want to stay there because I like it, but that place has given me more free play. But that place, okay, which place has the best service? Which place has, which place am I going to enjoy myself longer term? Because I could go and stay at Cosmopolitan and think, wow, I'm going to sit out on the terrace, have a fantastic view. But for me, that's like, I've seen that first day, wonderful, got breakfast on the terrace, but the next three or four days, I'm down in the casino. So logically, I'm probably going to go in my promotional offer. Yeah, and I've shifted a lot with, you know, what's most valuable to me are match plays or free play and basically just having an active table games area. So I play craps and baccarat and I just want, you know, my description of one of the reasons why, like I'm an East Coast boy, so I love Atlantic City. But one of the things that I said was always great at Borgata is that you could show up and get there late at night and I'd fall asleep and wake up at three in the morning. But it could be Wednesday morning at three in the morning. And if I went down, there was a good dice game going on. Right. <laughs> and that's right. that's what I wanted, you know, there to be at a property. But I would say I was impressed. I haven't played that often at the plaza, but I did play at one of your competitors downtown at the D. And what impressed me there was I went in and I was playing there one night and a host approached me and gave me his card and it was fine. And I was just fooling around a little bit, but I was playing probably at a little bit higher level than they had there. And then I had two days later, I had an awful experience at a strip property I was staying at, which was just one of those like super frustrating kind of, you know, things where I say it's like dealing with United Airlines. <laughs> so, and I got so frustrated and I just, I called this guy up and I said, you know what, just send a limo and I'm just going to come and play at your place. And for you, that's, and that it all, sounds great. That sounds and, great. And they immediately jumped on it and I developed a relationship and I sort of haven't looked back and the only place I significantly play now, pretty much so, but I'm, you know, I'd like to also play more at the plaza, but right. I mean, well, you'll, but, get, you'll, you'll but, get over here next time you're here. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but, but what impressed me was the approaching, you know, the human being interaction, which was so spot on. And I, I can tell you're doing the same thing and it's just brilliant because it really does, it really does have an impact on people. And, yeah. and, and so just going back to Steve, your answer as well, here's the thing. So downtown isn't really known for having a big locals audience. There are locals that come downtown, but the number one driver of local players in the city is location, right? You're going to go to the place that's most convenient more than you're going to go to the place that gives you the highest free play offer. Mm -hmm. And part of the challenge with that is what places do is they'll go really aggressive on the free play offer, 
So I could get you over here, right, with a really good free play offer. But if I don't maintain that level, you're not going to be loyal to us. You're buying a visit, but you're not getting loyalty. And what I like to say is, let's get the loyalty. And then, obviously, you've got to be competitive on the free play and the promo and the room nights and the food credits. You have to be competitive there. But if you don't build a loyalty base with that person, you're just telling them to come here based on a promo. They're going to leave the minute somebody else gives them more. Somebody else is going to give them a higher offer next time and they're going to be right over there because they're not loyal to you. They're just coming to you for that offer, which as long as you maintain that, you might keep them. But the minute somebody ups you, which is what will keep happening in this town because it's competitive, you're going to lose that customer potentially. So I think there's something more that has to happen than just, now you proved me wrong because you go based on free play. But you have to go with the relationship and the loyalty as a number one thing and then obviously be competitive on the promotional side afterwards i think that would be like when i say the free play though i think if there was say 100 bucks in it and the service was so much better somewhere else i'd probably go with the service because i'd probably think to myself okay maybe i'm going with the free play but i've got this great relationship with this host so i'm probably more likely to get my meals comped to the end or something so right. i think it's being a right. picture right isn't it well also for me a little bit what's sort of interesting is that the relationship with some of the larger casino corporations on the Strip have become in some ways so impersonal or that I feel, you know, I feel an emotional connection now to the D. I feel like I want to give them the right amount of play for the right amount of days that I'm there. Like, I feel like it's a real two-way street. Like, yeah, they're great. they're treating me well, so I want to treat them well. And I, love, like, I love that. I love to hear that. And whereas, you know, on the strip, I don't really feel that way that much anymore. So I feel less emotionally attached, you know, whereas there's one other casino on the East Coast. I also have that emotional attachment because they always do the right thing. And I feel really good about it. And my host attachment and all of that, it's just a really interesting perspective. Now, I know the thing that you run up against all the time, and Steve and I run up against this a little bit because I'm a less is more guy. I'd rather go fewer times a year, but play more significantly. And I know some people want to go more often. And one of the things I always hear people say is like, oh, but you're a much bigger player, you know? And I said, yeah, but it seems like what the D is doing and what the plaza is doing, you're being good to a much broader selection of people. Whereas the strip, that's totally, that boat has sailed. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're a small player, it's like any other, they're trying to replicate hotel and travel loyalty programs where they would prefer you not interact with human beings and they just, you know, you book things on a computer. So I think, you know, that's a really great thing. And I'm sure you're hearing that quite a bit from people, not only the better gamble, but the fact that they feel that they are more valued as a customer, even though I know things have changed a little bit with your loyalty program. So maybe you could tell us about that also, because you've done some rebranding or changes to your loyalty program. How has that been going? Well, again, everything is pre the pandemic, what we're talking about, of course, because of course. the pandemic has changed a lot of things. But we basically changed the name from Royal Rewards to Plaza Rewards just to make it more synonymous with the brand. At the time when we had Royal Rewards, we had multiple casinos. Now it's just the Plaza down here. So making it Plaza Rewards was just an easier brand play. That was just a name change. We changed the name of the tiers as well to tie into the Plaza brand, the branding of the cards. I would like to think, and well, maybe Steve can correct me because it sounds like Michael, you haven't got as much play here, but from a customer perspective, other than the names, you shouldn't have felt a dramatic change to the point earning or the 
use of those points. And so we try to keep that pretty much the same in the way you earn the points, the period of time. We did freeze all of the time frame during the pandemic, so nobody lost anything. We extended the earnings to reach the higher levels, five months extra for next year. So the, the actual system itself has been working well. We've seen a great growth in our database. We're the only ones downtown that has bingo. So we use bingo as a big tool to grow our gaming market. Obviously, there's a lot of cross-play between people that play bingo and slots. So we use that as a very big tool for us. But we've been able to really grow that database over the last two years, I want to say. And a lot of that has come down to the success of downtown. I mean, just to give you guys an idea, I'm not sure most people share this kind of data, but we see around 50% of our play is unknown. It's unrated. So that's a huge amount of people coming in the building playing that we actually don't know who they are. (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, I'm not sure many people would share that data, but I'm happy to share it with you guys. (laughs) So when you think about that, that's a crazy thing. That's half of your casino play is unknown. Everyone would think, well, now in locals casinos, that's different, but in tourist markets like the Strip in downtown, I think you'll find that's pretty industry standard. And it might range from 40 to 60%, but somewhere in that ballpark. So for us, the, the system is working, but you got to remember half the business is unknown. It's just people walking off the street, unknown people taking visiting, playing, and going back to the Strip or across the street. So there's a big part of trying to get that system to be able to pick up those unknown players. Well, Steve and I talk about this with the UK market sometimes with people who don't understand the play. I mean, it's gotten much better over the last few years, but that don't understand how important the loyalty programs are. You know, you immediately hear the, oh, I don't play enough. It doesn't make a difference. And it's like, no, it probably does. And of course, as a perception, Steve and I talk about this all the time when we have conversations. When somebody says, I'm a really small player, I don't play much. Well, what does that translate into? We know some people that translates into $500 a day for a 10-day trip. That's not that small of a player based on bankroll. You know, right, you know, right. $100 for seven days, that's a really small player. But it's very interesting. And I, I guess you probably get this in your loyalty program a little bit, is trying to figure out, you know, you you probably hear from people all the time. It's like, I'm really small. I don't play enough or this doesn't matter. And of course, trying to like squeeze out of people. Well, can you tell me, like people always say to me, Michael, Steve, how can I maximize my comps or learn about this? You know, I'm a really small player. We say, well, you got to sort of start to tell us what really small player means because, you know, if you're going with a $2,000 bankroll, then maybe you aren't. But if you're taking that $2,000 bankroll and playing at 12 different casinos, (laughs) you're probably doing yourself a disservice because that's actually enough of a bankroll to, you know, focus on one casino. Yeah, there's two basic messages in that. One is make sure you sign up for a card and have a card. But a lot of people that are good players, they don't want a card. They think it's bad luck. They think it's superstitious. I hear that oh an incredible amount of time. <laughs> it, you'd be shocked how much I hear that one. But we basically say, make sure you have a card. And then I think the big thing is, which a lot of people don't want to do, but it's reduce your number of places you're playing from 11 or 8 to two or three. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have to go just one. I think one's probably a little extreme, but you will get better offers from that place. But I think if you spread it instead of among eight properties to two or three, you'll start getting offers that get your attention and you're saying, oh, okay, this is worth something now. And even better, you might get you know a call from a host or a CSA or somebody else that's a casino service admin that says, hey, you qualify for something, an entry into a tournament, an entry into an event, 
And all of a sudden you're saying, oh, okay, this is different. So Steve did a very interesting competition on his Twitter, Las Vegas, UK, called the World Cup of Downtown. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you did there and what some of the results were? What, did I, what do you mean, what did I do there? I won. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to do anything. We need to build up. I was building up suspense here. (laughs) I just took part and I won. That's what I like to do. No, that's awesome. So what was the genesis of adding low limit single zero roulette? Was that a because it seemed, Jonathan, that that was a little bit personal. Like you, you made a big deal about adding single zero roulette, which I think is brilliant. How has that been going? Like, what was the idea behind it? How is it working out? Do yeah, people I mean, understand it? Like, so, understand- so it's such a good question. One, I did it because coming from England, that's all you get a single zero roulette. And there's still plenty of edge in a single zero roulette game. It doesn't have to be double or triple zero to have a house edge. What's amazing to me is the number of people that don't know the difference. You know, you go to some of these properties and they're playing triple zero and they're saying, look at that, I can land it on the three zero space instead of the two. And they're thinking it's, you know, they have no idea of the math behind that. But I think the reason why we did it was really that everyone downtown, well, I shouldn't say everyone, but almost everyone downtown has three to two blackjack. Almost everyone has 10 times odds on craps, which I think are two basics you should never take away from a casino. And downtown's done a good job in maintaining those two things. But the only ones who nobody was doing singles, zero roulette. And I think those three things should kind of go hand in hand from 10 times odds on craps. Uh, I don't know if you get more odds than that, Michael, where you play, but I think 10 times odds is pretty generous. I think 10 is generous. I, I often say, I think 10 times is something reasonable that you can do in relation to your bankroll because I always joke with people when they're like, oh, look, they have 100 times odds. I'm like, how is that going to help you unless it's a $1 game? Unless if it's you're a, betting it, right. Yeah, if it's even if it's a $5 game, 100 times odds, do you have the bankroll to back that up? It, right. It's not right. really necessary to have that and no one's going to have a $1 game. So I think 10 is a really the, good- No one's done it for a while, but when they did do 100 times odds, you can see it didn't last very long for a reason. Yeah, but, because uh, there's always somebody that comes along. Oh yeah, this has a really good night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, it's not by chance. Everyone downtown, almost everyone has competitive video poker. I think we have the best, but in terms of being competitive and best value, and everyone has the three to two blackjack. Everyone had the ten times odds on crap. So for me, single zero roulette was another way to stand out, provide value, and it's been really good. You know, one of the things that I didn't realize is there's also these like, just like there's the group pools and the bloggers that uh, live record their slot play, there's also people that live record their roulette play. And we've oh, had really? these... I didn't know we, that. Yeah, there's a couple of them that we've had come in since we did the single zero roulette. And what that's done is there's thousands of people that watch these videos of people playing roulette, single zero roulette. And now all of a sudden, they're coming in saying, we want to play this game. And we're looking at doing a roulette tournament, which would be, I think, the first of its kind downtown. Because so many people are now coming in for this single zero roulette. So it's it's been a really good addition for us. Oh, that's awesome. And you're also very friendly to social media, which I think is great, which is the opposite of casinos in the UK. How do you feel about I mean, we were talking about ten times odds, and I'm always so curious from a you know, casino management owner perspective, how do you feel about maximum bets? Because that's something I always tend to find in the United States tends to be a little bit like I am amazed in London how high the max bets go on public tables. Like Playboy Club, Baccarat is 25 pounds to 100,000, 
with the differential. And I'm so surprised. And of course, this is, you know, if you gamble, which I dream about, you have that dream where you hit 35 in a row and you're chipping it up, you know, and you're not stuck with a 5,000 pound maximum bet. Have you fooled around with any of that to attract people or is it too risky? Or I've always been so curious about like how, you know, how management sees that. I mean, it's not too risky. I think the thing for us, we have set limits for people that just walk off the street, Mm -hmm. but then we have different limits for customers that we know and we know their history and they're not advantage players or they're not just going to hit and run then we raise the limits for the people we have a play history with. So that's just the way we manage it. Obviously, downtown doesn't have the same higher limits as the strip, but it's also just based on customer base and volume. So it's not that necessarily being afraid of it. It's just a question of managing the math behind the games. Mm -hmm. And we typically do that for people we have more of a play history with versus people that just walk off the street and you have no idea who they are. That's interesting. I think the roulette tournament sounds brilliant. I think I love craps. I mean, that's that's amazing. I love craps tournaments. And are you okay with people doing videos at table games and things like as long as it doesn't Uh, disrupt the game or is it? Well, as long as you get permission from our social media team first and they advise security and the table games team that you've requested permission and you're doing it, we can't just have anybody doing it based on privacy for the other people at the table. But as long as you send an email first or through social media, you contact us, we can make provisions for that. This is the thing, because these like slot channels, I don't watch a lot of them, but you come by them and they've got so many views. Some of them have like 200,000 subscribers on YouTube or whatever. And the exposure that brings to slots is, is crazy, definitely. I don't understand why more casinos don't embrace that. I really don't understand why. Yeah, I think it's I I mean, I think it's really important that casinos embrace the social media because I think once the younger generation sees gambling like with live people and even slot machines and how social it can be, you know, people are used to gaming, you know, electronic gaming and video games and other things. They just haven't been exposed to the casino thing, but you loved it. Like my favorite thing when my son turned 21 and I took him to Vegas was like teaching him to play dice and he loved it, you know, and it's just like, wow, this is really cool. This is really fun. And it's of course it is because you know it's real and there's risk and there are people and there's interactions so i think it's just all positive you know as long as it doesn't disrupt anything i think that's great anything on your mind with regard to the gaming steve or any other gaming questions that you think about that come to mind no not really i just think it's great to see these casinos particularly downtown embracing the whole social media thing especially and I definitely think you get more bang for your buck, so to speak, downtown. I think downtown is only going to improve. You know, in in a normal world at the moment, unfortunately, I can't get over there. But I can't wait to check out downtown next trip, particularly with Circa opening and all these improvements that are happening downtown. I mean, you mentioned, I think, Jonathan, that Plaza's celebrating 50 years soon. Have you got any special plans for that? Is there anything we're going to see? Well, there's a couple of things we're working on for next year's 50th anniversary, which I think will be a great celebration if you know things are sort of back to normal and we're able to do that. One of the biggest things that I'm excited about, which has been a constant challenge for us is, I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with Main Street, but I've often said Main Street could be the best street downtown now with Circa opening, like you mentioned, plus the improvements at the plaza. The one thing that's been a challenge for us has been the Greyhound bus station that's next to the plaza. That had a 50-year lease on it, which comes to an end next year. 
So with that moving, that's a big future development of the plaza that we're working on ideas with and concepts for. And when that leaves next year, we're going to have some pretty exciting plans that will again bring more life to downtown, but mainly Main Street. Plus, it's going to clean up a lot of the area, which has been a lot of the public perception of downtown has been safety. So now getting rid of that will be a big upgrade for the area. Plus, you've got 800 residential units to the west of the plaza being built. And we're working with the city on a bridge there. So when all of this comes together, you're going to see a very different Main Street to what's been there over the last few years. Amazing. Now, I try not to focus on the pandemic stuff too much because it's it's exhausting. And I look at it like it's going to be a blip when we look back. It'll be a year or two. And that's just the way we need to treat it. The the biggest problem is it stopped me getting to Vegas. And I'm like, seriously, like, I feel lucky I had one trip in February this year because I felt like I need to keep my streak of trips going. But I want to get back. Got us. Uh, <laughs> and, and of course, and, and he's jealous of me because I have a U.S. passport. Yeah, so I, theoretically, to, I can yeah. go back. <laughs> you could make it back if you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I really, I mean, you seem really positive and things are going really well. And that makes me so happy. So if I had to say to somebody, go to Las Vegas, especially now, go to the plaza, you know, it's, it's worth it. Like I was at Vegas for the reopening in June and I thought it was worth it. I wanted to be there. Everybody's taking precautions. You know, it's the same in the entire travel industry. So, I mean, I guess we just have to get the word out more. And I always like, I always say to people do what's comfortable for you, but people should be thinking about it somewhat. So you said something very important, do what's comfortable for you. Everyone has a different take on this. Everyone has a different perception. Everyone has a different risk level. Do what's comfortable for you is exactly right. In terms of, you know, I seem like I'm in a good mood. It hasn't been an easy six months by any means. And when you think about the uncertainty of not knowing when you're going to be able to plan, somebody said, are we going to do fireworks on New Year's Eve? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, what are we going to have on New Year's Eve? Are we going to be able to open our bars? Our bars are shut down right now. Are we going to be able to have more than three people at a table? Are we going to be able to have more than limited occupancy? All these things are just so unknown to us. So we're doing the best we can in this situation. And I think, you know, a lot of people that want to come to Vegas, they still want to see that entertainments come back, that all the restaurants are open seven days a week. I think that's been a big issue for the Strip as well as the restaurants aren't open seven days a week. It's three days a week. So if you're here on a Tuesday night, you may not have a steakhouse to go to. And I think that's frustrating to a lot of people. But Overall, the Vegas experience is alive and well. The full Vegas experience is still going to take some time to come back. And unfortunately, we do not know when that is. It's sort of out of our hands. And I think people should come based on their comfort level, based on their desire to get out here, enjoy it, have a drink, gamble. The pools are all open. you know. And, and everyone's taking the precautions. Like you said, we're very, very strict about the precautions here. Everyone gets the temperature taken upon entry. Obviously, it's mandatory masks. We have limited occupancy, four people per elevator. We're really trying to follow all the guidelines as best as we can. Within reason, obviously, that's sensible. I mean, it's got to have some logic to it too. And we feel like we've done a good job with that. I do find it funny now. In the old days, you wanted to get feedback of the meal was delicious, the customer relationships were great. (laughs) Today, it's like, I really enjoyed it. It seemed like you had lots of sanitizer and they were cleaning the chips well. And the the kind of feedback we get these days is really different, but it is the world we're in right now. I'm kind of curious. Do you think that Vegas is missing the international market at all? Because I don't know how big a... Of course it is. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge, especially on the strip, conventions, international travel. 
you listen to the conference calls of some of the strip properties, they're missing international travel and conventions like you wouldn't believe. It's huge. International travel is a huge part of this town. And all these different cogs make up the success of it. And we're missing it tremendously. So and get, it's, it's get British Airways to open up the airlines. Let's get back to it. Let's get back. <laughs> we have to. Well, oh, it's, it's, really, yeah, it's, it's really been a pleasure. I'm so impressed about how you run your organization, your attitude and everything. And just like, and even your attitude now, I mean, because I'm forever an optimist, you know, I mean, I'm just, it's just the way that I have to wake up in the morning. I refuse to be gloom and doom, but I think it's amazing what you guys are doing and keep it up. And thank you very uh, much. I think, you know, hopefully we'll talk in a few years from now at some point and say, wow, we got through it, <laughs> you know, and absolutely. And one day we'll get you guys on our podcast. We'll do on the corner of Main Street and have you guys come on our uh-huh. podcast. Reverse the tables. Let me ask you questions. Oh, God. That would, that would be <laughs> super good, though. I feel like we would be the best guests yet, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm just being overly confident here. Definitely, though, as soon as the flights reopen, the states reopens, I'm going to be there, and I'll make sure I come and stay at the plaza, and I maybe even bring you a trophy Please. for your World Cup of Downtown win. Please, I deserve that. I'll Ooh, there you I'll, better. I'll, I'll put it behind the bar in the casino. <laughs> As long as any time I come in, if I get you like a cup, I can just have my beer in the cup in the trophy. That would be cool. Yeah, no <laughs> Crystal Palace shirts. Would you come <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, well, good thank you. Thank you thank so you much guys. again for joining us. And yes, thank everybody, you. thank you for joining us. Jonathan, how can people find you? What's the best way? What is your Twitter that you like to use? And how do you like reach Twitter out? Twitter and Instagram are my two most commonly used social media platforms at Jonathan Jossel, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-J-O-S-S-E-L, or just the Plaza website. And I think all of our links are there as well as the podcast is on there. That will be awesome. I will put all of that in the show notes. As you know, you can find Steve at Las Vegas UK and you can find me at Travelzork. Thank you again. And until next time. Thanks guys. You've reached the end of your stay with us on this episode, but we encourage you to visit our website for more resources at TravelZork.com and to continue the conversation on Twitter and Insta at TravelZork and on the ZorkCast Facebook group. Travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures right here on ZorkCast. Until next time, dream big and remember, a dollar won is twice as sweet as a dollar earned. <laughs>